What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Whitetail Edge Podcast, a podcast designed to make you a better whitetail hunter. Now, your host, Ben Rising, and myself, Dylan Gandy. All right, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Whitetail Edge podcast. This is uh, episode three. Uh, first and foremost, it's November 10th. It's uh, the Marine Corps' birthday. I uh, just want to give a shout out to, to all the Marines, uh, past, present, and future. And tomorrow's Veterans Day. We just want to uh, extend our gratitude to, to all the veterans that have served, um, past, present, future again. Um, you know, we probably wouldn't be here recording a podcast if it wasn't. Uh, for the brave men and women. Um, t- tonight, Ben and I are joined by a special guest, uh, Bobby Kendall from the Whitetail Group. Bobby, uh, super pleased to have you. It, it was great to meet you. Uh, you know, Ben's met you before, so um, yeah, just super happy and appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty cool to have you sitting here after we've been talking quite some time now. Uh, you and I developing a friendship and, you know, maybe going to try to do some stuff together here. But Bobby's a very uh, renowned, I guess, in his own field as far as <laughs> purchasing land and, you know, developing it, selling it. Um, started a whitetail group and it, you know, has a logging division. Just all around um, can take land and make it do lots of things. And you can buy it from him if you want to. Um so I guess let's dive into that a little bit, Bobby. Like what's your, you know, just give us a quick rundown of your backstory, how, how you came to, to, develop, to develop the Whitetail Group. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of a long story getting here, and I'll give you the short version. But uh, I grew up in North Carolina, and then I ended up in uh, the Adirondacks in Lake, Lake George, New York. And I was playing music full time out of high school, in a little bit in high school, and then out of high school. And... Uh, uh, I always had a massive passion for hunting, um, and I went to pharmacy school, and uh, it just was not for me. And I took us the my first semester of pharmacy school. Me and two three friends went on a hunt in the Midwest, and on my drive home, I was like, you know, maybe I'll take a year off of pharmacy school and. I'll come out here and try and guide, like for the classic, you know, take a year off and try and figure out my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I ended up meeting a, a guy um, in a gas station right after that and uh, happened to be my good friend now who I do a ton of work with, uh, Toby Stay. Um, it was his father. And so we just started talking about one thing and another. And, uh, He's like, yeah, my son's got an, out, an outfitter in, in Brown County, Illinois. And two weeks later, I was out there on an interview slash basically shed hunting and hanging out. And, uh, and I was hired, and I went out there and guided. And um, I, I was, got on this kind of circuit where I was playing music in the summers and the, the rest of the year, but really, you know, 10 gigs a week in the summer. And then I'd shut her down. Uh, I can still remember that last strum and that that cool evening mm-hmm. and it meant go out west the next day and uh so i i, I started coming out here and um 
and guiding for Toby. Back then it was Eagle Outfitters. And, um, and that went on for a few years. And then I kind of started, you know, I was playing music at some other outfitters in exchange for like hunting, you know, Hunt some of the ground. Yeah, hunt some of the ground. Like, uh, you know, you, you can hunt over here, hunt over there, and whatever. And um, and then that led to the ATA. I met um, I met Pat from Driven, and I actually had one of my songs was opening his show, and he got me to uh, a gig playing at the ATA. And I was just kind of like, I played at the uh, QDMA National Convention. I was like, you know, I was pretty young, and I was selling back uh, CDs out of my Sika backpack or whatever <laughs> it was. And and one of those guys came over like, hey, that's pretty cool, you know. So I kind of like was just this kid like navigating my way in and around and ricocheting off of the hunting industry, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, meanwhile, I, I was kind of like, what am I gonna do? Like sooner or later, I gotta like grow up and do something. And I just was like, I you know, I read one of these real estate books, like how to invest in real estate, and I got interested in that, and I ended up uh, actually kind of learning. A technique or tactic in, in that silly book and bought my first like rental property it was nothing special or anything but I I bought it right and had some equity in it and then um, you know that kind of between the playing music here and there and the hunting and and now having this piece of real estate that gave me some residual income I was able to not like have to go out and get a real job plus I was you know young and at the time you know I was single and, and so I didn't need a whole lot to live um, and so fast forward I was dabbling in real estate I was playing music I was hunting and one of those drives back after the fall I got to thinking you know what if I cross the hunting in the real estate you know there's all this and back then like the hunt it's been wild well, like how what year are you talking maybe this Give was us probably a... like 2000 it wasn't all that long ago maybe 13 or 14 oh really like that. just that long just that while ago yeah it wasn't that long ago that's not that long ago no and uh and so um, it's been wild to kind of watch the whole, there's been so many like shifts of the hunting industry mm-hmm. and hunting world. And one of those shifts was, it used to be, you know, the masses basically went on, on guided hunts and then it became the masses getting leases in the mid, you know, away from home. And then, you know, fast forward to today and people have realized that like, you know, it is, it's a, it is an investment. It's not, you know, I, I always compare it to people that I know that don't really know what I'm doing. I'm like, it's kind of like, you know, you're a golfer and you like to golf. So you buy a condo in Florida and you rent it out and you make some money and you go golf. It's like a fun investment, but it's an investment. You make money. Same thing with these farms out here. Like this is, it's not, it's not all fun and games. Like these people are hunting, but they're also, you know, it's the best place they could have, especially nowadays. It's one of the best places they can have their money tied up in the world. So, um, so yeah, eventually I was on one of those rides home. I'm like, how am I gonna merge real estate and hunting? And um, and over the course of the years, it's it's become a, you know, it's just that shift into people buying ground because they realize it, it, for what they're paying on a lease, they could be owning a farm and building mm-hmm. equity, you know. Gotcha. So. So that's how basically then you decided to start the Whitetail Group, or did that come a little bit later? Yeah, so like in the original crowd that I kind of knew out here, that, that little crowd and circle is still all, most of them all here. They've just all kind of gone on their own paths and stuff. And so, I, like I said, I worked for Toby Stay back when he had, had Eagle Outfitters. And at a certain point, he kind of shut down Eagle Outfitters and he started selling real estate um, with uh, his good friend Scott at Land Guys. 
and uh, he became one of the owners of Land Guys. And fast forward to today, I, you know, I, I've got a pretty good relationship with with Land Guys, and and obviously Toby, Toby's kind of used a whitetail group space to kind of showcase like his own knowledge in gotcha. in, in whitetail deer hunting, um, and it's just or, and it's been a really organic way for him to you know, drive his own, his own business and, and traffic. And, and he, you know, it, it is, you know, it's somewhat rare to find somebody that is that knowledgeable about deer hunting and real estate values. And, you know, mm-hmm. and so, uh, he, he is a very unique guy, but you see him on all the whitetail group videos and, uh, we've kind of, like I was saying earlier, we've kind of just, I was around the hunting industry back in the outfitting days and, and, um, and the singing days and stuff like that and then once we really got rolling in the beginning we were just going farm to farm to farm and we got this kid justin super talented he's become a really good friend he's just he's just harnessed what me and toby do and at first it was just kind of it was just like really a real format he just follow us along on the farms and document it you know what we do and and now he start we're starting to get more into like you know all some of the hunting strategy or you know concepts and strategies and stuff and and it's it's really starting to pick up steam you know now it seem it seems like um but it's just been really organic and we kind of we kind of stepped away from the hunting industry for so long and just just bulldozed forward and it's like all of a sudden we're like now we're just focusing on buying farms and yeah and now it's like them. holy cow how you know how this how did you go from you know playing music it's hilarious because like I get out and about, I'll buy a farm, you know, and everybody like, you know, and it will Google like who bought it, and then you know I I've been everything from like a professional baseball player to like you know it's just mm-hmm. hilarious, you know, and, and I've heard that like I, I sold I sold my songs to Nashville and I left <laughs> there and I came here and started buying ground, but it's not what happened. I was I was like making a couple hundred bucks a night playing music and uh, and uh, it's just like this. You just had a dream to do this. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of like evolved, and now all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, you know, this, this sucker's got pretty big. But all that being said, like, I'm still like, it still all revolves around like chasing big deer, and like the last two seasons I've been hunting on a on a piece I have permission on, and there's other people hunting, and it's like, you know, just because we have all these farms and and they're they're awesome and everything, it doesn't matter. I'm it, it doesn't mean I'm still not doing like the real yeah. world you're still looking for yeah. the biggest deer to hunt just a regular guy yeah so yep. and sometimes and you know that's how it goes you buy property doesn't always mean you're gonna have just cause you have private land or your own farm doesn't mean you're gonna have the biggest bucks right you know I mean you can and I think you're gonna go through phases yeah but, you do it's all probability it's all yeah. odds you gotta cast a big net and you gotta get really good at finding them whether it's on your farm or somebody else's yeah. farm like last year I had a yeah killed a 180s on our farm this year biggest deer we have on that farm is mid 60s if yeah. that yeah and, and it's so hard many, to understand but it just is there's so many rabbit holes to go down i mean we could do like podcast after podcast <laughs> that, that's a whole that's yeah. a whole <laughs> that's yeah. a whole yeah. actually like you know and we're more interested in i guess like guys like you and i that's what we talk about more is big deer you know yeah. and their habits and what they do but what allows us to be able to do that is, you know, our jobs as far as, you know, like I'm in the timber business, you know, I, I work for a company in Ohio, you know, Tusco Forestry, and, you know, we buy timber, have sawmill, you know, help landowners manage their timber, logging crews. You learn to start, I, I've been logging since I was 16, 
but you came out here, you know, started this thing, and then you saw where logging was advantageous to what you were trying to do with this land. So you you learned how to buy timber, you learned how to market logs, you got your own logging crews, your own logging equipment now. And yep. white, yeah. So you have you know a division of the Whitetail Group is a logging company. Yeah. And so you can develop these properties to be able to make them what you want them. You know. Strategized to foundational, yeah. yes, yes, to, and it. I mean, it's when you can manipulate the farm and make the deer kind of do what you want them to do. You have such an upper hand because the way they live is, especially the big mature ones. I mean, they're they're using everything to their advantage, and they're you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to hard to hard to break break that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um, yeah, we started using the logging project to set the foundation of the farm and what i mean by that is like not just like oh we're gonna put a food pot here because it's open or oh we're gonna you know that looks like a good spot this is more like dominant winds ingress egress where do we want the deer to bed okay based off of that and you know what that looks like we're not we're not like going in and just you know we'll, we'll select cut let's say that 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 place that we want the deer and we'll look at it and be like where's the most likely where's the most perfect spot for a big deer to bed the way it is and it might be like this little subtle terrain point or something within a south facing point and we'll select cut that hillside but then that one little literally it's as simple as standing right where i would think that that deer would want to bed looking up at the sky and being like that tree that tree that tree that tree and letting a puff of light on that one spot just so that he's got this little thicket within the hillside to blend into and, mm-hmm. and so we'll, we'll set it you know we use a logging project to do that food plots ingress egress tri- creek crossings you know um and then you can really get the farm jiving because now you have a foundation it's not just like oh i'm planting a food plot here or planting a food plot there mm-hmm. and so the logging division was kind of started for these farms i was buying the project farms but it's evolved into now you know in the in the dead of winter it's just kind of madness we're in iowa and missouri and illinois and and uh we we log for logger for for farmers we log for you know everything across the board everybody's got different goals and i try and just you know figure out what their goal is and then mark the timber to meet their goals and, and you know kind of blend the forestry aspect of it you know not just not just taking you know those high dollar trees um there's a lot of things that blend and no two projects are the same correct you probably know that yeah Yeah, and so like i guess you know question i would have is like so as you've learned this timber business stuff and you know developing these properties and you know the stuff you've bought and things how important do you think logging is in your opinion to having holding big deer on your farms yeah, I mean it's it's super important. the The ironic thing that I would tell you is, is, uh, and I, I told these guys before before we started the podcast. I said, you know, I kind of when guys come have me come out and they are hunter and they wanna they wanna they want me to come out and bring them this magical, you know, box of deer habitat. I, I start with, would you rather hunt a wide open park that's a thousand acres, the inner city? open hardwoods or would you rather hunt the baddest public land in iowa that's you know over the top managed and grasses and tsi which one of those are you rather hunt and obviously they all say that the park and the point is without like strategy 
no, none of the habitat work, in my opinion, none of it work. None of it matters because I see a lot of people spend so much time on their farm trying to build something that they'll never give a big deer time to, to call it home four or five years until, you know, they're, they're big and mature. Um, so there has to be a plan and there has to be strategy around the logging. But absolutely, once, once, you're, once your plan is there, your hunting strategy, your ingress, your egress, once you're, you're, devel- you're developing around those spots and, and whatever, it becomes extremely powerful. Obviously, you're, you're putting deer bedding where you want them. You're, you know, some little subtle things, you know, we'll have a trail that, you know, normally in a logging project, it'd go right down this ridge. You know, we might have a, we might have it right on the side hill because it's, 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 it's the ingress to a certain tree stand and we want to be on this side hill not to be seen. Or, you know, we might put a creek crossing right here because it's in front of this perfect pinch where these points come down. Or a lot of times we pull, we pull tops. A lot of people see our, our walls that we build and uh, we'll pull tops. And what that looks like is you might have a killer hunting ridge or something that's 50 yard wide and we might pull some tops and make it 30 yard pinch. And that's the, like I talked to you about, you know, kind of placing treetops and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, it's all the little tiny things that seem, you know, like they don't matter. You start compounding 50 different layers of like little tiny micro strategy and all of a sudden it, it means yeah. the difference, yeah. you know. And you know, the logging side gives you that equipment to have there to yeah. To accomplish a lot of these goals that normally wouldn't make sense to for for a landowner to bring all that equipment in to do yeah. something. And and every farm's different. Some aren't logged. Some we just do some excavation. But you know, a lot of people have been kind of here recently as things are starting to snowball. Been stumbling upon our site, and they might just stumble into one video, and they see all this going on. They're like, oh, "That's that's unrealistic." You know, he's you're dumping all this money to shoot a deer, and it's like, but actually, what we're doing is is we're we're here we're in the game we've we've built this business and we're we find a farm and we buy it right or we whatever and then we're we're developing it whether it's a logging division or heavy equipment or whatever and then we're we're, we're just selling it for market value we're not really we're not like charging some crazy premium so what that does is like these people you know they can they can buy a farm that's already done and already set up and a lot of a lot of these farms we have quite a bit of the demand's gotten pretty pretty high and so people will have us looking for a farm in a certain area or certain size and then when we get it they'll go under contract with us and then they'll like they'll be involved with the project and so like um the kind of that that at the highest level would be like iowa so there's like a lot of people that want a late season hunt only because they're non-residents so we might just take a farm and there might just be one food source but it's like a killer food source and it's got perfect ingress and egress that we build to maybe two different blinds that they can get in and out of every single night you know of the whole entire lake such as like the one where i watched one where toby was muzzleloader hunting i think it was iowa yep and you guys had you know strategized in ingress and egress for him to get into these blinds and you know, yeah. paid off. He got a really nice buck over. Yeah, that worked so well that when he got in the blind, he actually had a truck come in behind him and into our pond. And Toby got out and went over there, and the guy was turtle. He was uh, he was like hunting for turtles, or he was catching he was catching <laughs> turtles in the pond, or something. He, something. Yeah, yeah, just an old on guy. your land. He was doing something with the turtles, and and. <laughs> 
I don't know what he was doing, but it had to do with turtles. And uh, yeah, he didn't realize that the farm had sold, but it worked so well that Toby got back in the blind and shot that deer the same night. So. Turtle, turtles <laughs> and muzzleloader season. <laughs> Who would have thought? That's odd. <laughs> so the whitetail group. Um, yeah. Kind of explain the group part. So I tend to overthink things. Um, I named it the whitetail group way back when, and kind of my, my, my vision for that was as a group of people, we were more powerful building these farms when it's more than one person's vision than any one person. <clears throat> and so it's been years but it's always been me and toby you know but now it's coming full circle and we've got you know all these guys we're talking to ben about doing some stuff together and it's like when you start bringing people you know i kind of divine success hunting success or whatever um as just being consistent shooting these deer these being mature deer that you're after or whatever so when you start bringing multiple people together everybody's kind of got like a different stroke of the brush you know everybody's got a and some of them are are pretty starkly different i'd say there's some similarities but when you start bringing everybody together you can create you know these farms that are like just super i mean they're just it's just awesome plus it's super interesting to see everybody you know learn you know learn what ben how ben goes about it and and see the similarities and um so that that was kind of the concept and now it's kind of really coming to fruition with the group you know we're doing stuff with lee lakoski up in iowa and uh it's it's just it's been awesome you know and and then our logo everyone likes the logo you know and what was crazy about that was for years i'm like gotta have a logo gotta have the logo and then one day we found these giant sheds. I was sitting there on the couch and I just kind of rolled them around. And I'm like, oh, it's a tree. <laughs> like it's a tree oh, and cool. their antlers. And I, I literally took a picture and sent it to someone. I'm like, hey, make a silhouette of this. And, and so so everything, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's all it's all kind of come full circle. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you said there were rumors about you selling your songs and stuff oh, to Nashville, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I heard a rumor that's true that Bobby Kendall shot a two hundred inch deer. Yeah, I I got uh, very lucky the other day. Those deer just you weren't lucky. We were talking in the morning. <laughs> you weren't lucky. Yeah, it's just you're lucky to have a deer it's, that you can hunt like. It's that, just yes. the the probability and the odds are just like ever so stacked not in your favor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, explain that. So like that was a super windy day. So we'll talk about this. And I got to see this deer, and I mean it was a man. Like I've seen a lot of big deer in my time. You know, dead deer. And you see a lot of deer on social media that you know what people say they score, and maybe they score that, but. You know, a lot of it's just because they got a lot of points or stickers or things like this. But, like, this deer was ridiculous big. <laughs> he like, went on and on about it. I did. Yeah. Like, and I don't normally do that. But I was so impressed with the size. Even my wife. And my wife, like, she's to the point where, you know, oh, it's a deer. <laughs> she was like, oh, my gosh. She goes, that thing was huge. Yeah. You know, he just had such a frame. I mean, basically, he had four points on one side that would if he would have been a matching four by four he'd have been 185 something like that yeah which is nuts yeah crazy that tells you that just gives you some kind of an idea how big it was but he wasn't only a four by four but you know his mass his frame i mean he had to look like a bulldozer coming through the timber it was surreal it was definitely the most impressive deer i've ever seen in my life and it's kind of ironic because i i was basically not hunting him even though i knew him well so 
the, this was a piece I had permission on. And, you know, that might sound crazy because I have quite a bit of ground that I own or I'm buying or whatever, but I'm still like super diehard about this and every piece I can hunt, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for uh, the it's biggest part buck. of my big net I'm casting because it's the hardest part about killing a big one is finding, That's you right. got to have a big one to hunt. And so anyway, I was hunting on this piece I had permission on last year, chasing a really big deer I hit. It's like 190. And then uh, this deer was there the whole time. And um, I mean, tons of encounters, tons of trail cams, whatever. He was a he was one of those deer, I'm pretty sure he was a four-year-old last year. And he's one of those deer that's like, you had to like he'd step out and he'd be like whoa you know he had a super strong side and then he had his goofy like club hmm. which made it even more stark because his one side was like weak from whatever last year so so when i pulled everything off of the the farm last winter i'd say if you drew a line from the center of the deer i was hunting to the center of this deer's core it probably only 400 yards or something really? they were similar but but uh, I pulled a few stands. I left a couple of stands where this deer's core was, went up there, put some cameras out in the summer, and uh, I got a picture of him like in September or whatever, but it was a, it was a really bad picture. And uh, I thought he was like in the, in the mid-60s or something like that. It was a really bad picture. It was two and a half hours from the house. And I'm like, I don't know if, I, if, if I'm going to mess around going that far for that deer. And... Uh, Next, and I, I, my cameras were off of the farm, and, and I had one camera left next door on a little pumpkin patch that the neighbor was letting me access through his place and let me put the camera there. And uh, sure enough, like November, what would have been second, I had a hard horn picture of him right in the camera. And I'm like, oh man, I, I've made a large mistake in, in guessing how big that deer was. But the crazy thing was, I didn't have any cameras in there, and like that's a whole other rabbit hole about, you know we rely so much my most successful years were a few cameras once i knew he was in the area you know just hunting hunting him and and we rely on these things so much but there was no cameras there and i'm like you know what i'm not putting any cameras out i know the deer score i know what he did last year i know what he did late season i know i know what he did i watched him and i had a stand there to hunt the deer and that deep that stand was like just inside the, the woods on this it was an oak flat, but it was also like a kind of a, a travel corridor, and it, and it was a doe bedding area. It was a massive bedding area. Wide open hardwoods, um, lots of structure. And it was a middle, it was, I went up there, it was that day, it was super windy. Everybody will remember the yep. windy day in early November this year. And I, so I didn't get up. It was what, what I call Magic X Day. I've, I've got videos on those, on what, what, what exactly that means. But it was my favorite days to hunt. And, uh, you basically, said Magic X? Magic X. So, can, you, can you just explain it real fast? So, simple terms? <laughs> simple terms. I use Weather Underground, not the app, mm -hmm. the actual website. And then I pin it to my homepage. And so when I pull it up, it, it actually shows much better graphs than just the, um, the app. And you can see a really good rendition of the pressure line. Gotcha. And so what a Magic X day is what I call it, it looks like is basically that pressure line starts going up and then you'll see the cloud cover and rain and temperatures coming down. It makes an X. You can Once you get used to it, you can spot it. You can spot it on the app instantly. And it kind of it kind of represents a lot of different things, but the biggest thing is to me is that pressure. Uh, it's obviously accompanied by the cold weather, but in those days, the most powerful ones, in my opinion, happen when, basically in the real world, it looks like 
you wake up in the morning and it's gloomy and it's cloudy and it's stagnant and it's humid and it's warm. And by prime time, it's bluebird, dry, at least 10 degrees less, maybe more, and the pressure's on the rise or, 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 or peaking. And those are my favorite days. And those fronts, sometimes, you know, if you shift them left or right, you know, sometimes they hit at night and they're not quite as powerful, but this one was like one of the days where it was gloomy in the morning, bluebird at, at prime time. So as I, I was super excited to go up there, even though it was windy. So when I got up there, I kind of lined the wind up with where I thought the stand was, and I beelined it across the field, and then I kind of snuck 30 yards down to the woods. And uh, I was when I got up in the tree, I'm like, "That's kind of crazy that I didn't jump any deer." I'm like, "This," I'm like, "There, there should be like a ton of deer bedded in here." And so where I was sitting to my right, there's a big point that kind of came in and and wrapped around a little bit, and then there's at the end of the flat to my left, there was like a steep, like almost cliff type deal, and I got to think, I'm like. I bet the, the deer are like that wind. I was like, I bet they're just like tucked over these, the back sides of all this stuff in here. And I mean, a little while, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I saw a doe to my left feeding at the rim right before it rolled off. And I'm like, oh, she was bedded over on the back side of it, on the north facing side of it, you know? So a couple minutes later, 10 minutes later, I, I caught one flash of them through there. And I'm like, oh boy. And so she just was feeding and he was right behind her and she'd come 10 feet closer and he'd come 10 feet. She'd come 10 feet, he'd come 10 feet. She'd bed down, she'd get up, she'd feed around circle, she'd bed down, she'd get up and he just stayed 10 feet behind her. And I'm like, this thing is not small. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I mean, it, it was kind of surreal what he looked like actually. But they, she just, over the course of an hour, it took her to come from essentially 50 yards to to 20 and when she got to 20 she could either go high which was like which would have just been like too good to be true or she cut low and she did she cut low she kind of went down the hill and she was she was like behind me and the wind was howling right over her and as she was walking down she kind of looked up at me and she was staring at me for a minute and i'm like oh and of course i'm in this huge white oak but I'm moving like two feet in every direction as she's staring at me. I'm like, this is not. So she gets down there and the wind is blowing right over the top of her. And she kept like, she'd just do these crazy big flinches like she smelled something, then she'd settle down. And the whole time he was pretty docile. And, but he, the whole time he was like 10 feet from her. And finally, at that point, he was like 20, he was, he was 28 yards from me. So he, he had let her get about 20 yards away. And I'm like, every second that goes by here is just exponentially like something is not going to happen here. And he just all of a sudden he just turned and walked into my lane at 28 yards and I, I shot him and he ran over the edge of that cliff and started swaying and I saw a rat go up in the air and he rolled to the bottom. It was mm. unbelievable. Right where I left him the year before, you know. Crazy. Sometimes I think we make it put you know we make it so complicated and it's like <laughs> well and you you waited too like you weren't under pressure in him you weren't yeah well for one you didn't realize just how big he was like you said because right. you'd had an issue with the camera and then um you kind of were getting to the point too where you're like you know i'm just not going to take all the time right. run all these cameras in there and you know which is to the point of like you know, what's the balance of, of the cameras? You know, once he's in there, are we more yeah. successful to just... Yeah, if you know he's there, yeah, I agree. I mean, and sometimes we, I think that's the case. We can rely, well, they're not walking by my camera. 
Right. So I'm not hunting. Well, I, that doesn't mean they're not moving somewhere in that same general area. Right. I called some friends. I, they were on the phone, and, and this was before this happened. I was like, what's up? And they're like, oh, we're just watching TV. I'm like, what are you guys doing? It's like, don't, don't we, like, hunt now? It's, oh, I don't have anything with Karen. I'm like, well, I'm like, what has happened here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. It's like but, a prime example of the night, what happened. I mean, I saw Bill and... You know, he walked pretty close to the camera, and you never got a picture of him. Mm-mm. But it's just the way he walked, you know, and yeah. you would have just never known. Yeah. yeah. It's just how it is, though, you know. But we do rely, I feel like, on the cameras too much at times anymore, you know, to it's decide whether we should hunt here. It's Yeah, it's, it's a, a mental, mental block. Yeah, that's something that's not talked about a lot, but the mental game of chasing these big deer is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like find one have a plan stick to the plan you know no. and 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 not get like i almost did a video because i i did a video i had a video go out like maybe a week before it was like it literally was labeled finding a big deer which i already had found you know i had found this particular deer but i was going to do another one about just the mental like the ups and downs of deer season i've kind of got to the point now where i don't really get too wound up when i don't have a big deer or or the big deer i'm hunting is off or whatever because like there will always it just changes on a dime and there there it always happens there's always ups and downs we're hoping that's tomorrow for us yeah i am too i think friday and saturday i think it could be this warm weather has sucked so bad yeah but we've kind of got like a pretty good stretch of you know nice cold weather i mean it's it's looking pretty uh yeah but eventually gotta go to work yeah tomorrow's one of those magic x days so yeah maybe it'll be magical for you yeah and hope you know the hard part is those like having the right deer you know like you know got some mature deer but i don't have a ton of really big deer this year you know that's been that's been kind of the consensus you've got some good ones but got one real good scoring deer we're chasing but i don't think he's old enough but i know that if he gives me a shot, I have to take it because I know the neighbors are all over him. They're getting pictures, you yeah. know, talked about the deer last week's podcast, Ranger or whatever. But, uh, you know, I did have him at 60 yards finally. I did get to see him and got him on film. But uh, definitely nice deer, you know, but I think he needs a year. But I don't know how you give a deer like that a year. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see, you know, but I don't even know if I'm going to hunt him tomorrow yet. I'm not sure. We're doing this podcast kind of late now. <laughs> uh, so just to circle back on uh, on your deer, so did your buddies come out and help you? I mean, yeah, uh, my my uh, my marketing and camera guy Justin, I was talking about. Yep, he came over and and filmed a bunch of stuff there. And uh, my buddy that, that owns the place that gave me permission to be there, he came out and helped. And that had to have been yeah. cool. Oh yeah, I bet that was fun with him. Yep. yep. So I mean, you still had no idea, like. This deer is 200 inches, though, right? I mean... No. And I was staying within, what, 20 minutes at a hotel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I was hunting this other deer, because he's not down here where my farm is. So that was pretty cool, because I got to see the deer, you know, in person. Like, and that was wicked. Right. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are like, oh, is is that your biggest deer and stuff? I, I shot a 211, but, like... It, was, it had 23 points. This thing's got, I think, 13. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, by far the most impressive. Yeah. My two Far fif- my favorite deer. Yeah. yeah. My 215, Titus, is a great deer. Big deer. You know, big rack. But 
not the stature of Rackus. I mean, Titus would fit inside this deer, then some. Yeah, you know, and the, it has. It doesn't look small in pictures, but it just doesn't give. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't. the The pictures you took in your yard does not do that deer justice. Yeah, yeah, like. And, you know, you see some of those pictures where people take them in the back of their pickups. And you're like, oh, well, if he wasn't so close, the deer wouldn't look so big. But that's really how the deer looked. Yeah. Like, the best picture of the deer is the one where it's just the deer by himself right. propped up in the back of the truck. Yeah. Because that's really how that bastard looked. <laughs> I mean, when you pulled into the parking lot, I was like, or when we walked out and saw I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, it, it, it is crazy because, like, that deer last year, I mean, he was he was. I'm pretty sure he's a four-year-old, you know. It was my first year in history with him, but, like, he acted like a four-year-old. He looked like a four-year-old. and But you'd swear this this was him, like, three years later. Yeah, no he, doubt. He, you know, like... Yeah, I, you show me the pictures, and I'm like, that's him? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But, again, it, it goes back to, like, you having a strategy, you know, and you're, you're uh, I guess... You know, you're a student of whitetails, so I mean, you you know, you've developed your own techniques too. As you know, you said you're what 36, mm -hmm. so and you've killed two 200s. You've killed many other good deer, mm -hmm. guided people to good deer. So you've developed your own strategies and you know hunting situations and how to pick out. You know, what would you say? Like, okay, obviously you have this. You know, which I guess you call the magic X, but. Um, which you and I both talk about the moon a lot, and, and we both believe in the, the moon phases oh. and that moon has an effect. And I know people like Mark Luster doesn't, you know, and everybody's entitled to, you know, it's and all that's what, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, Mark works with us a lot. And yeah, he's, he's exactly. a killer. He's a hunter. killer. And there's no, there's no, there's no right or wrong. There you know isn't. I mean? it's, and, it's, there's not. And that's what's really interesting is when you bring two people yep. in, in, and they have totally different schools of thought you know what yeah. i mean and not just on on some, a theory like that but even developing the farm or, or picking a sure. tree or whatever well, there's no really doubt mark luster knows bucks oh, yeah. absolutely 100 yeah. percent. and lee and lee uh yesterday i was with him up in iowa and um and uh he was saying i said uh, he had some guys hunting at his place and, and he said something about uh you know somebody says it's warm you know it's probably really slow he's like yeah unless you got a pond on a green field and mm -hmm. we're like what and he's like oh yeah he's like and with that moon today there'll they'll be a there'll be a good one on, on one of those fields with the pond the green fields with the ponds at, at 2.30 mm -hmm. we leave and get a text message from him at like 2.28 and it's like right on time I'm like what well, awesome mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. but yeah I, I am a um, I mean I've I've watched that and he kind of said yesterday the same thing and I I feel about that it's like you can't take oh, Again, there's no right and there's no wrong. And you can't... And it's hard for one hunter, especially that's not, like, in it every day, all season, for multiple seasons. Like, you can't take one day or one sit or one encounter and, like, formulate your the whole, like, exactly what deer do from that one sit. But I believe if you took a, a sampling of 100, um, you know, 100 hunters that sat in the same area all hunting a mature deer that night 60 or 70 of them over half 70 of them would have the same type of experience mm -hmm. you know with the moon i got i got a video that talks about the three three things that affect deer movement you know or big bucks to get on their feet in daylight and it would it would be it would be you know the moon phase which is predictable and then um and then the uh 
the date or phase of the season, which I'm actually thinking is is more like instead of saying date or phase, it's more like mindset of the deer because that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's just it's just this ramp up to the breeding season and, and their mindset changes. Well, their inner body, day. their hormones, everything in them is changing, and yep. it's you know. Yeah, and then the last piece of that puzzle, those two, you know, those two things are predictable in my opinion. That happens all to the same day and, and every year, in my opinion. And then the last thing would be the environmental conditions, which is the one thing that's not a given. But you know, with that kind of that kind of, pl- it's almost like a plan, and and it helps you get organized and and you know, plan your time out of town and and um, you know, but when you watch it over so many cameras over so many years over so many sits over so many people that you're talking to you can start feeling Mm -hmm. you know those things and and like we talked about the moon like it's one of the things that's subtle but it'll make a day that maybe the environmental conditions aren't as as great but it'll it'll could be the one thing that it just yep it helps nudge it along and then like a day like tomorrow in my opinion is a perfect storm so you got that high pressure what i call that magic x front day coming and which is as good as the environmental can get and then you've got the perfect you know in this in this phase of the deer season that we're at november 11th ideally for for me it's more about morning and definitely midday you know definitely midday not to say it can't happen in the evening but um so so that 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 moon is rising in the morning still makes it a little bit more powerful yeah so you've got that going on and we're right after the full moon so you're in a perfect phase of the moon you know and and then the date it's perhaps my favorite date of the whole i have a lot of date favorite dates of the deer season but but it's as far as the actual rut goes and just chaos and stuff november 11th it's probably my favorite day for that so you got a perfect storm of the environmental the moon and you know the date or phase coming together tomorrow so technically there should be some big deer killed in our neighborhood yeah. i was going to pull up deer cast here and so tomorrow it even says great which you know i already knew that but um go back to the daily cat so yeah so what it's saying here on deer cast which it'll give you the moon times and everything um the moon is falling at 10 a.m. So it's setting, like going down at 10 a.m., rising at 6.53. So to me, you know, morning hunting, midday hunting is still going to be good, without a doubt. But how I would read this, if you know, these moon times are correct, that falling moon in the morning and, you know, basically at 10 o'clock, that's like... That's four hours after daylight. Right. That should be killer morning movement with the weather. Right. And when it, when you take that subtle push and you line it up in a time of the year that you want to be hunting in the morning. So in October, I, I love that full moon. Or not the full moon, but the week leading to the full moon because I'm evening hunting in general. And it's in rising October. early. So in same thing, late season, we're evening hunting generally late season. So we're looking for that week leading up. So this year in Illinois... The week leading up to the full moon was like the fourth through the ninth, mm-hmm. kind of an un- inconspicuous time that people are like maybe not hunting. I mean, people miss the boat in October. Yeah, I right. mean, they miss the boat yeah. in October and the whole pre rut lull thing. Like, there's big giant deer walking around yeah. marking territory in October, especially you get a high pressure front 
in that week leading up to and if you talk to a lot of serious guys out here that was their best week of october yeah. and then fast forward into like you know whatever it was october 15th 18th 19th we had a killer front in there i forget exact dates it was really cold and everybody was like amped up and wound up about that and then it was just kind of like and so yeah. you know and we'll never we'll never know all the answers and all the secrets but you know there there are definitely some things that if you if you pay attention to and follow over time you're gonna chip one yeah. off here you're gonna knock one off here you know it's I mean? funny because like it's funny that lee said that because yesterday you know here at the camp um eric was asking he's like and i'm not sure where i should hunt tonight whatever and you know kind of new to this farm that they're hunting on and as hot as it was, I said, green close to water. <laughs> it's funny that, that Lee said that. I said, find some green close to water. That's awesome. And uh, it's just funny how you pick those things up over time. You yeah. know. And, and I don't have a whole lot of experience with with building water holes and stuff, believe yeah. it or not. We haven't done a whole lot. Well, I've sat on a water hole, and I didn't see a deer, but yeah. I, don't had, I didn't have green right there either. But there was standing corn, and I think think this deer I'm chasing on my own farm, Bill, he's not a giant deer, but he is a five-year-old. He's a giant body deer. What I've just learned is he is, he's hanging where the does are. It doesn't matter. Like he was on the water hole two days in a row, but there had been some does using it and he was there looking for the does. They didn't happen to be there. So he moves on. Well, the last day and a half, his pictures are only popping and he's moved to a completely part of the farm, a different part. And that's where the does are. I think he's basically nailed every doe on the south side <laughs> i mean he's been literally rutting since like september 29th he's a gigolo he's should wow. we call him bottom bill that's what we've always called him but he should be called horny hank <laughs> i mean he literally every picture you get he looks like he's rutting yeah i mean i got videos of him in early october where he's walks up to the camera brush hanging off his antler and he's just like <sighs> Like he just got done running a doe. It's just the he's the craziest deer ever. I don't know how he hasn't been killed by somebody because he walks so much. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you you wonder if those type of deer, when you're like, how's this deer not been killed? Well, it's because they walk so much. You can't figure out what they're. Well, know. that's what he's doing to me. I mean, I literally have tried this week to kill him. I've not seen him once. Yeah. Dylan saw him tonight. He sat in a different spot, and it and I had a hunch. I was like. But Dylan was after a big call buck, but I'm like, you know, he showed up on these standing beans this morning in a different spot of the farm, like I said, that he hadn't been on, and he's looking for different does. Right. And I almost went to that spot to hunt tonight, and I was like, no, because he won't show up there, and he didn't. He showed up one field over in some standing bean plots there, and Dylan got to film him at like 70 yards. Hmm. Yeah, the runnel, the runnel drive you wild. I yeah. mean, usually, it's hard to pattern them. Yeah, it's it's like when you're really paint, watching them and following them and stuff, and it, and, and it gets to be like that Halloween night, and you, the sun goes down, you hadn't killed them yet. For me, I'm like, oh, no, I know. man, here we yeah, go. Here we go. Here comes the grind. Now yeah. it's just about pounding hours. Yeah. Probably. And, and it's more than that. But, and it, to but it is. It, it becomes a serious mental game in the rut. Yeah. If, but I think it's one of those things where you just kind of have to keep those basics. Yeah. Hunt the Start does. Thinking, think, honestly, I mean, it, it's like 
stop stop worrying about your cameras because they're not. That doesn't matter. They, all they're going to tell you is he's still alive. Yeah. So they're worth keeping out because it's going to tell you he's still alive. You know, if you got a cell camera, it's going to tell you what area is in maybe that day or whatever. But start like and and this this is like Mark Luster's forte. Think like a deer in the in the rut and like mm-hmm. where he wants to be. Like you know hunt those down you know down wind side of these bedding areas and and, and you know just think yeah. like a deer you yeah. know what I mean? basically and that's what i told Dylan tonight i said you know he's only worried about one thing right now and that's girls and so he's showing up to where the girls are hanging and like i've noticed on the cameras that there's been a fair amount of does still in those couple of bean plots and at that end of the farm mm-hmm. they weren't like getting broke up by bucks as much yeah well that's over because he's found them Mm-hmm. And so now it's just hard to say where he's going to show back up, but he seems to be hanging in that part of the farm now because there's different girls there. Yeah. And he's, I really do believe that, I mean, he'll come back to the south part too. I mean, it's all our farm, but I'm just saying it's funny watching him. These deer teach you things if you're willing to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's done basically opened my eyes that, like, because we can, we can get ourselves can get so ingrained in a certain way of hunting yeah. but like i was like tonight saying i was like what am i doing there's not been does on this water hole in two days he's not gonna be here right he's gonna be where those beans are and that's where he showed up and i should have been sitting in one of those areas yeah you know, but yeah and you know i think some of my successes come from like i think a lot of people generalize like pre-rut rut post rut and it, there's so much more that happens and, and that's why i said I'm, I'm like borderline gonna start referring to it as mindset instead of phase because like so for example like i'll see you know i see that deer deer will kind of be hitting the same scrapes they've kind of got their territories if you get like i've seen where like on a bigger farm you get a b- bunch of mature deer and like they kind of all have their own like once they separate in september or whatever they kind of all have their own little areas and a lot of times they're not overlapping too much they will a little bit but then all of a sudden like october 28th i i call it boomerang phase like they got their cores and they're they're working it and all of a sudden boom the 28th or 27th it's right around there boom they take a they take a, a jog a jog around the farm and if i mean it's like clockwork every year i see two or three bucks on the 28th that do that they and 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 then all of a sudden and it nothing's rigid you know what i mean we talk about all this stuff but like there's a bell curve of does that come in heat and then go out so like yeah you can see the craziest thing happening you know whenever because Mm -hmm. one came in or the snow was in the air but in my opinion like it's a mindset that's territory and dominance and even when they bump the does in the end of october in a plot there's it's like they're flexing but then all of a sudden on a light switch their mindset goes from territory to does and, yeah and, and, correct and, you know and then once that happens you know there's different phases like back to that whole re- sampling of a hundred hunters if you you know one guy's gonna be like i saw a crazy chasing and i saw this and i saw that but if you looked at a hundred guys 70 of them on you know i i think on november 4th or 3rd are gonna see you know a doe come through and a buck be behind her you know maybe a minute or two minutes or 20 minutes and then November 6th or 7th, it's going to be like my deer where he was just, uh, he was not really wound up, but he was just 
he was on her now. Like, mm-hmm. she moves 10 feet, he moves 10 feet, and then you... Well, she probably was coming into heat. Right, and but wasn't full-on ready, mm-hmm. you know? And then and then all of a sudden you get to the 10th, 11th, and that the bell curve is the highest, and now they're, like, ready, and now, you know, 70 out of those 100 people are going to see crazy chasing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it's like there's these little micro-phases, and then, like, and then like clockwork in Illinois, the 14th, dough, you know, button bucks and fawns. Lockdown, mm-hmm. 13, 15. And then one of my favorite phases of the rut would be the sit, because I feel like those big, mature, the biggest one in the woods, like he'll get the first doe and and lock, you know, lock down. Then he gets the next one easy and locks down. So they can kind of be somewhat difficult and definitely unpredictable. That's why you got to pound the hours because when he's between does, especially midday, I mean, midday is so under, I mean, for a big, mature deer, it's just like this time of year is, mm-hmm. you know. That's a whole other rabbit hole, but that I call it post-lockdown cruise phase. It's like the seventeenth of the. I've seen it linger through, you know, December first. Past 1st. Thanksgiving. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's when now the bell curves come off, and the biggest deer in the woods has had a taste, and he he doesn't want to stop. I've said it for stop. years, and that's when you see a zombie walking seven-year-old middle of the day going insane. Right, and and that can be the most vulnerable time. You know, if I was going to come on a random hunt and just pick a funnel, I didn't have any history or whatever in the mid in Midwest to shoot a big, big, giant deer. That's probably when I would. I mean, I, yeah, if you're looking for a 180 plus type deer, I agree. I've, I've said it for years. Big deer are the lap that they're the last ones to really start getting fired up for the rut, like going crazy. You know, they're doing some breeding, but they're not those bucks running all over your farm like the two and three year olds are just one end to the other except for bill bill's an exception <laughs> wild wild bill <laughs> but um i've just noticed like you don't see them do that too much but they're the last ones to stop right yeah like that's why you're going to grandma's on thanksgiving day and it's 1 30 in the afternoon you're coming home with a belly full of turkey yeah and you see this mega just lumbering across a tree line, crossing the road to another block because he just he can't take it. Yeah, and look lethargic sometimes. Yeah, like know, like like they're in a zone. Like you yeah. gotta be, you know. And and another thing about the, the big mature deer, like I think sometimes people like give them like unicorn status, you know, like they're mm-hmm. and and it's like they're just deer, you know. They um, like a male deer is not like intellectually smarter than a female deer. They just have more precise triggers that make them move in daylight, in my yeah. opinion. Because a lot of times when you see them, you know, like that the other day, that doe was all wigged out. She was looking up at me. She was freaking out and she was wiry because she's probably interacted with humans a lot more, you know. And, uh, and then he was, you know, a lot more docile. And a lot of times when you see a big giant that's been, quote, nocturnal for a long time because that's what they do in daylight, they just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. not a care in the world. Other times, you know, they seem like they have a sixth sense, but, you know, most of the time it's just, I think they just have more precise triggers to make them move in daylight. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're smarter. They can't reason. You know what I mean? They yeah. can't. So. Well, I figure it's like this. We could talk for hours, but like you said, there's so many rabbit holes with big bucks, and we don't want to wear you out on the first one because, you know, you're worth having back on a few times. I feel, you know, people are going to like the stuff they've heard tonight. So, I mean, I, I feel like there's more topics and you yeah, know i want to get out on a farm with you and start yeah and we will that's gonna happen yeah 
and you're going to start seeing some stuff with me and Bobby, like, you know, doing some projects for his Whitetail group. And then um, we're hoping to maybe get Bobby doing some filming with Whitetail Edge and just kind of expose both platforms and help Bobby get a little more notice for so like tell people that are listening where they can find your stuff as far as for you know listings or you know whatever you're doing at the time or some of your content yeah so basically as we develop these farms we we put out kind of real-time video series like the first you know video is usually like the the plan a lot of times it's you know our our first look at the farm well we try and do it sometimes the first time on the farm because that's when you get the really good reaction stuff and then you know and then implementing the plan and then and then you know sometimes there's a couple other videos but then the end and then sometimes the videos will actually follow a deer and will kind of develop around the deer because like i always kind of say people are like you know uh, how do you learn a farm the first year and it's like well i'm not really learning the farm i'm learning a, a deer like the mm-hmm. deer is teaching me the farm um so you know we have that video series that's on youtube um, the whitetail group and then our website will have uh, you know our farms that are current or are coming up and if people have you know an area they're looking for a farm um, we can they can contact us and we can find one and then we can all this work that could take them forever we can do it with them while they're under contract and it really we're still selling yeah. farms at market value and they can reach out to us too yeah you know whitetail edge you know bennett whitetail edge or whatever and send us an email we can get you connected with bobby and you know we can help you guys um find a farm if that's what you're looking for yeah and then know, we, can, we, Illinois. Can have, we can have ben come out and design yeah. it whitetail edge approved yeah there you go <laughs> perfect all right, guys. Well, I think that's all we got time for. Uh, we got some leaves to turn red tomorrow, hopefully. <laughs> so uh, before we uh, cut out of here, just want to let you know our partners over at Osseo Gear are having a Black Friday sale. It's their biggest sale of the year. Uh, prices slashed, uh, prices slashed site-wide. Sorry. You can save up to 40% plus free shipping on orders, and that sale ends November 28th. And don't forget to... Uh you know, now is the perfect time to be using Black Widow Deer Lures. If you're a deer scent user, if you're not, give it a shot. I think it'll change your mind on your process of using deer scent this time of year. I'm a big believer in Black Widow. Um, and we appreciate all our sponsors, you know. Um, so you check our page out at Whitetail Edge and you can see our list of sponsors. We have promo codes there that you can use. And you'll be able to see all the products that we push. And uh, we try not to, I guess, say push because we truly believe in all the products we're using. And in order to have a show and all the things that we do, um, we have to have sponsors. So we do appreciate the support. You know, people like Cobra, HHA, Prime, G5, Black Widow, um, you know, DeerCast through the juries. Um, just so many different things and you know you should really be checking the DeerCast download that app because it is very helpful um, from you know mature hunters to beginner hunters it's a it's a really good thing plus they have a nice platform there um, social media wise where there's just a lot of supportive people there's not a lot of negative stuff going on there and people post some pictures of their deer and whatnot and I uh, want to throw a shout out to Masio too thanks for being one of our Longtime sponsors and you know and uh, being with us for a while along with Black Widow, Andy and Janice. So, and uh, one of my faves is old Jake at Cobra. Mm-hmm. I need to throw a thing out there for Jake, old Mega Mine. If you haven't shot a Cobra release, you need to try it because they're they're one of the best. 
So, so thanks for coming on, Bobby. Yeah, I, I know you have a have an awesome following. Like your following is perhaps like one of the best. It's all real real guys, and I know they're all diehard hunters. So it means a lot to come on on here with you. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. I mean, we I've said that we may not have the largest following, but I do feel like most of the people that follow us. Um, diehards they're diehards and some of them are becoming diehards maybe you know but they're trying to learn to be good deer hunters and we've just had so many people reach out and you know tell us how whitetail edges help them and change you know and that's really cool to me you know it's uh it's awesome yeah so bobby thanks again uh thank you everybody for tuning in to the whitetail edge podcast god bless thank you